Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC football podcast. Folks, it's a special signing day crossover episode. If you're a Football and Grits loyalist, you're used to hearing me on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday during the season when we do daily, and you're used to hearing Aaron Suttles on Tuesday. You've never heard us together until this moment. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has nothing on us. Aaron Suttles, welcome. My co-host for today. Let's talk some Cruton. ABC always be Cruton. Uh, how's signing day for you? You know, Alabama had most of the hay in the barn. They uh, added two guys. You know, just just a whole hum day at Alabama, adding two top fifty players nationally to the to what was already uh, maybe one of the greatest recruiting classes, point wise, team rankings wise, we'd ever seen. So they just went ahead and added a five star running back from Texas and a top fifty safety from florida so uh just, as one does yeah just you know just a, just an average sort of chill day for alabama i mean what nick saban's doing is insane i mean we've run it, it's it's to the point where you're numb to all the accomplishments of it because the list goes mm-hmm. on and on you just it makes you numb it doesn't it loses meaning almost the fact that they've been number one for so many years in a row the fact that they win so many national championships the fact that their staff gets rated every single year, and it does not matter because he just goes and recruits his tail off and beats everybody. Yeah, we should talk about the leaked recruiting video, which um, I've been praying for that recruit for about a week or two, hoping that he was not um, murdered in his sleep. <laughs> and like, I can't, that was like unbelievable. I, I need to know the full story behind exactly what happened there. I was um, here's here's my thing on the leaked recruiting video, though. If I am a coach and I'm doing all these Zoom things, I'm strategically leaking, not leaking, but like giving recruits video that they like of of your like of your tightest like most PR friendly pitch, giving them video so they can watch it or show it to their families or whatever, and then quote unquote maybe post it on social media because I don't believe that's illegal if you're just giving recruits a video and eventually it's going to get out because. That particular video looked very, very good for Alabama, even though I'm sure Nick Saban did not want that out. 
But, you know, you, your piece at The Athletic um, in the wake of signing day, you, you hit on so many of the things that could have or should have derailed the Saban dynasty. None of them have. Mo- most people believe Nick Saban is the best coach ever, and yet, you know, you is he underrated? I feel like somehow we still don't appreciate just how impossible this all is in recruiting, on the field, just the relentlessness of this program in every respect. It just, it's impossible. Yeah, you know, I wrote a big sort of, after they won the national championship, I sort of wrapped the year up in one, and you start ticking off all the accomplishments. That's why I said it makes you numb to them because mm-hmm. there's just so many, they, they lose meaning. Like, right? I mean, if you if you have a p- favorite pizza place and you eat one slice, it's amazing. But if you gorge yourself on it, the last piece didn't taste as good as the first piece because it's just, you've just had so much of it. That's sort of what it's like. I mean, Nick Saban's had so much success. The accolades are incredible that when you start listing them off, it just becomes a list of numbers. And you you sort of lose context, perspective of, of what all it's done. It's it's truly, um, you know, covering it on, on the ground floor where you're sort of in it every day. You also lose sort of the, the 30,000-foot view of it as well. But, um, you know, the, the funny part yesterday, it was uh, t- um, Terry and Arnold, the, the safety from Florida, choosing between Alabama and Florida and Georgia, all great programs. And he chooses Alabama, and I'm I just for fun I clicked on someone's um, tweet about it just to see what people were saying, and the consensus was outside of Alabama fans is that Nick Saban is ruining college football, and I and I kind of get that, like the mm-hmm. the the sort of hoarding of talent from among five six maybe six programs, I can understand if you're a fan like if you're a fan in Knoxville. And you've just seen your roster raided. Guys are leaving for Oklahoma and they're entering the transfer portal. And you got a new coach, so your class isn't that good. And you just saw the difference between the programs on the field last year. If you're looking at the chasm between Tennessee's roster and Alabama's roster, it almost looks like a different sport. So I can understand if, if you're a program chasing Alabama or chasing the college football playoff and you see the hoarding of talent among four or five programs, maybe six – um, unless you just really enjoy tailgating, if once we get back to that, you're not chasing championships. I, I can understand why the arguments made that that college football isn't as fun. Maybe it was uh, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it. You know, I remember I wrote a piece uh, for Sports on Earth a few years back um, when UConn women's basketball was at their peak, and there was a lot of debate over you know whether or not they were good or bad for the sport and. Um, you know, did sexism play a role in all this? And and it was an, it was an interesting conversation. But I I I'm in the same place with Alabama football. I don't think it's good for the sport. That's not to to lessen what Alabama has done. But there's a lot of people who agree. You know, I think when you're talking when you're talking about Alabama, and to a lesser degree Clemson, um, really kind of like you're saying, it's it's those it's those four or five or six programs that are really the only teams that realistically. Um, are going to be making the playoff every single year. It's it sort of defeats the any given Saturday ethos of of college football in some ways. When it's yes, we've always seen the best programs rise to the top, but for one program like this, especially for a decade, to really only play three or four games every year where they can kind of realistically lose, and it's really becoming 
more so like that in the last since the Tua year started. Since I guess it would be eighteen, so the last three seasons, we've seen that really amplify. It's uh, you know it it it's you know when you're when you're turning on the TV and watching you know. Alabama beat the team that finished the you know fifth in the country last year by four touchdowns. Uh, you're kind of like, uh, I don't know what 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 how how do Alabama fans like living in the ecosystem and and kind of around that? How do they view that argument? Is it just sort of a haters gonna hate situation, or is it do they have some respect of that while laughing about it? I think like all fans, there's some that they get sensitive about it and think that Alabama's being picked on. Um, that if it was another program, like say for instance Clemson, who Alabama fans kind of view as their equal in terms of you know they Alabama fans have a lot of respect for Clemson because of what Clemson's done, how how they've competed against Alabama, they've sort of in viewed Clemson in the same way, and they don't think the, the the narrative around Clemson is the same. So that always gets pointed out, and and they would they would they would counter with well if it was another program we're not we're not hearing this argument that it's bad for the sport, but because it's Alabama, I think the difference here. Is you remember how good those nineteen ninety like mid nineteen nineties Nebraska teams were? Like mm-hmm. they're just I mean, Lawrence Phillips is running all over Florida, a really good Florida team in the national championship game. It's like Alabama's that, but as you mentioned, it's lasted more than a decade now. And I always Since like what, oh nine, I guess we would say, twelve since, years? Since Saban's second year at oh eight, they went unbeaten up and they lost a, a great SEC championship game to Florida. But since mm-hmm. that time I mean, you're talking about since two thousand and eight. I want you to go back and look at what the internet looked like in 2008. I mean, everything <laughs> is different. Um, it's it's the fact that, and I always use this argument, Americans love success. We love success stories. We get obsessed with it. But then we get, if it sustains success, we get tired of it, right? I mean, it's like, it's why you root for the underdog. Like, in 2001, people wanted the Patriots to beat the Rams because the the Rams were the greatest show on turf. They're running up and down. People wanted the, this plucky underdog led by this quarterback no one's ever heard of, Tom Brady, to beat. Sixth-round pick? To beat. He's not going to be good. The greatest show on turf. And then they did, but then the Patriots went on the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL. <laughs> and people hate the Patriots. It's the same way. We love success, but sustained success, we start to hate. Yeah, I think there's definitely um, a, a big part of that. And I think... You know, you might be right. It's not about Alabama specifically, um, as much as sort of the joylessness of it. It feels like you know, uh, you know. I think Nick Saban says it a lot of like, you know, this program's not for everyone. You know, we go to work, we do all these things, and that's a big part of their success. You know, hashtag trust the process, all of that. But I think that I think that is part of it. The the lack of of joy that seems to you know, Nick Saban wins a title, you know shoots another Aflac commercial the next morning, <laughs> and then he's calling 2023 recruits. Right. Like, that's kind of what it is. And it's not, it, it's not you know, it, it helps now because they were playing, not only were they joyless for much of the this decade run, but they played a joyless brand of just, like, chokehold football. Now it's a lot more fun. Like, 18-19, those were, I enjoyed watching those Alabama teams. This year I enjoyed watching this team, but we've kind of, now you've said we've kind of seen it. But I think that's part of it too, of sort of like you know, your your program becomes the face, and Nick Saban for all of his success and for all of the things that he does, and maybe it's fair, maybe it's not. I'm not inside the program. I've seen a lot of Alabama, but his perception and his uh, public persona is not one of fun, and I think that 
taps into some of why people are sick of Alabama too. Yeah, I think he would be well served. And I think he's lightened up a little bit with age, mm-hmm. um, you know, smiling a little more. I think he did enjoy this particular team a lot. Yeah, that post game he seemed it seemed a little yeah. different this um, year. But I, I think inside the program, people would tell you he's a, a little different. He's still Nick Saban, but he's a little mm-hmm. different. He has more fun than people think he has. But with the media, for some reason, he doesn't allow it. Like I'll give you an example. So before the before the national championship game, I wrote a, a piece about Alabama's 2017 recruiting class and just the absurd amount of talent in it. Um, I mean, they had Tua and Jedrick Wills and um, all those wideouts and. And so I wrote that, and I asked him, and I knew what he was going to say, but because he doesn't have expectations, right? Like, you can mm-hmm. sign the greatest high school player ever, and, and Alabama doesn't have any expectations that he's going to be great in college. That's just sort of Nick Saban's spiel. But looking back on it, I think it's it's fine to reflect, yeah, there were a lot of good players in that class. So I asked him, you know, at the time, did you get a sense of how good this class was? And he just gave something. Like, he could have had fun with that answer, right? I mean, think about all the NFL players that were in that class, and he could have had fun with it and, and kind of looked back over that, that class's accomplishment. Instead, he goes, well, you answered your own question. I don't have expectations for these players. I mean, like, stuff like that where you could probably have a little fun and, and sort of – I mean, you don't have to revel in the success, but you can highlight a couple of things that class has done. That's another thing, too. Nick Stabian likes to pretend he doesn't know. Ask him where his team's rank. He'll say, "I don't know." He famously said he didn't know. <laughs> he famously said he didn't know that one day that that a U.S. national election was going on. Of I course, recall he knows. that. Yes, <laughs> he always. But for some reason, he thinks it's cool to, to show he's so locked in that he doesn't know. But the, if you've noticed on that Zoom recruiting call, he noticed every little detail. Uh, how many, you know, uh, of all the accomplishments they had, all the national championship games they played in, uh, mm-hmm. how many national championships they won. He, of course, he knows all those details. But for some reason. He doesn't like to say it in front of the media. He likes to pretend he doesn't know, and I think that plays into this old curmudgeon that he that he plays on TV. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I think, you know, yesterday, I don't know what to make of, of the signing day situation right now because early signing day comes in, um, what, I guess it was December of 17, so three, four years ago, we have early signing period, and that, no one really knew what to expect. I remember how unpredictable that was, and then all of a sudden, like, 80% of the guys are in the, are in the barn, and now that the transfer portal is... is uh, a thing and you're having immediate eligibility not official but looking close to imminent recruiting classes are pretty much done in december you might add a few guys late um but the focus for a lot of schools is saving those spots for transfer portal since you can only bring in 25 guys and you get really muted 
signing days. Tennessee didn't even have a signing day press conference yesterday, um, in part because they introduced their coach like a week ago. Um, but they only signed two guys, a Juco guy and a, and a grad transfer. So it was a weird day, but I, I look around and I see Texas A&M sneaking up a little bit. You know, Georgia had so much heat um, a few years ago. Uh, well, I guess it was coming off of the national championship appearance. I'm, I'm curious if the Aggies might be the second best program in the league right now. I think Georgia still has more talent. Um, they still are a better roster, and, and we'll see what they have, what happens with them at their quarterback spot. The Aggies have got to replace Kellen Mond. But if Georgia has another kind of meh season relative to talent, those questions get louder. But ultimately, my, my biggest takeaway yesterday is that Jimbo's doing what he got paid $75 million to do. And it seems to me that we're, it's probably only going to be a matter of time before they're knocking on the door. And certainly at this point, look like the, ch- the main challengers to Alabama in the West. Now, what does that look like? Last year, it looked like a 28-point loss. It might look like that in some years. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with them in the quarterback spot if, if Haynes King becomes the guy that they hoped he was. But the the Aggies were the team that jumped off the page at me yesterday. They, I mean, they've always been probably the biggest example of a sleeping giant. And, and mm-hmm. sleeping giant is relative. Explain why they weren't better. Yeah, and sleeping giant is relative. They've had success, but given their resources, given um, the, their proximity to talent. I mean, they are truly a sleeping giant, and, and we saw them knocking on the door last year of the college football playoff. What's really interesting to me is is you can make an argument that they are going to going to be fighting with Georgia for that that sort of status. The, the the main difference is they they reside in the 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 division with Alabama and LSU, while you know Georgia sort of has to play a sometimes hit or miss Florida team, and 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 really that's about it. There's not really many challengers. There in the east, so so. Another thing, you sound is, like you're not sold on Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what Heifel does. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I do think they have a built-in advantage in their schedule, whereas along with as opposed to the their other competitors in the West, Alabama has the biggest advantage, right? They get to play Tennessee as their non-permanent or as their permanent cross-division rival. That's until Tennessee comes back, that's I mean that that program's as you know, David, in disarray. But uh, some call that an advantage for yeah, Alabama. Some that's call a it huge an, anchor, an anchor for Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> but but LSU's got to play Florida every year. Uh, yeah. Auburn's got to play Georgia every year. So in uh, in Texas A and M sort of has an advantage with Alabama that they get their their permanent cross division rivals is South Carolina, which is to the level of some of those other programs. So Jimbo Fisher's always been a great recruiter, man. I mean. There's a reason things went sideways in Tallahassee, and there's probably a great oral history to be written on his last days in, in Florida State, how that mm-hmm. went. But I think he grabbed a lot of people's attention this year um, with that defensive line they had. You know, they had a veteran quarterback, and and they were really, I mean, one slip up there, and they're in the college football playoffs. So yeah. I think they're in great position. I'm fascinated, and David, I know you are too, because of you, your history covering that conference of what happens, the dynamic with now Sark and that recruiting staff he put together at Texas, I think there's going to be some fun recruiting battles in in the future between the Aggies and the Longhorns. I think you're definitely right. Uh, Texas is a complicated recruiting state. Um, it's a lot more complicated than it was even 10 years ago. The Aggies' entrance into the SEC uh, is a big part of that. I think you wrote about Alabama's yeah. crashing Texas recently, right? Was that like this week? David, they got seven blue-chip recruits from Texas. Alabama. Yeah, 
That's insane. I think that's A and M. The idea for them, I think, was that uh, you know by leaving for the SEC, they could sell different things and and start out recruiting Texas. But I don't think I, I think we underestimated how much the Aggies coming to Texas or coming to the SEC was going to open up the floodgates for LSU and Alabama for other schools to come in there because it, before they left when they were still in the Big Twelve and you still had you know that that was a pretty hard eastern border you know sometimes schools would pop in like ohio state and alabama and like the bit in oregon and when they were popping the big programs would steal some guys sometimes but it was still aggies longhorns sooners those are if you're the best kid in texas you're going to one of those three schools and that's what it was and that's not that anymore lsu's always done a pretty good job because you know being border somewhat border to texas but mm-hmm. For Alabama to go get seven guys, and, and the biggest example to me is um, one JoJo Earl. Just Alabama had a needed receiver, and they just absolutely cleaned up at wide receiver in this class. But but Kamara Wheaton, I don't know if you got, people have noticed Alabama's loaded at running back, just absolutely loaded. Loaded, and Brian Robinson's probably going to take advantage of the NCAA free year. So I mean that running back room is crowded, and then a five star running back from Texas chooses to go to Alabama. It's just um, I think. As you mentioned, it you know when when A&M entered the league in 2012, it, it opened us it opened Texas up because um, now teams in the SEC can go recruit there, and it, it it's coincided with Texas not being the Texas it could be. Yeah. Um. And and Alabama's played neutral site games there. They've played college football playoff games there. They've played bowl games there. So they've been very visible in the state of Texas. They signed Asan Robinson. I mean they've they've had a, they've had one player from Texas in every class since A&M entered the league. Um, but they've never had seven, and, and it jumped off the page this year. I mean, the, I think Alabama had 14 of its uh, 27 players came from Texas or Florida, and if you call, if you follow high school recruiting, there are really good players in Texas and Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, you look around the SEC as well. Uh, you know, obviously I cover Tennessee. I do pay quite a bit of attention to the league. You look at the bottom – you see new coaches. You see Brian Harson with uh, a borderline top fifty class. Um, you see Shane Beamer at South Carolina. I believe they were seventy sixth behind Coach Prime at Jackson State. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Tennessee though hangs on. They grab the number sixteen spot. There's probably some jostling that may happen um, as more guys sign. But for now, they're in there. They were, you know, people forget this class was number two in the country at one point. Those were, those were, numbers were sort of inflated, but I believe at that time Alabama was barely a top 50 class. I think they got a little bit of a late start this year. Ended up okay for them. Um, but Tennessee got that hot start. You know, you, you get Dylan Brooks, you get Terrence Lewis, and then sort of the, 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 the domino started to fall. And then they don't have either of those guys uh, now. Well, they'll wait on Dylan Brooks, probably going to release him from his uh, letter of intent. But uh, the early signing period probably saved the Vols this year because they were not really – I mean, you're hiring – you're firing a coach late. You're hiring a coach late in the process. It's tough to really recruit. But the – the new coaches, you know, this tra- these transition classes are just harder than ever. Um, when you had the February signing day and just that, it was easier to kind of scrounge some things up. You grab some kids from the old school that you came from. You can still maybe flip some guys that maybe fit you a little bit better. You do a hard sell, especially if you'd kind of known them a little bit at a previous class. But I, I think that rebuilding jobs in the era of the early signing period are only going to get harder 
Um, and these transition classes, our colleague Max Olson looked at those first transition classes when the early signing period happened. They're not they're not great, and there's a bajillion different reasons for that. Sometimes those guys are not fits. Sometimes those guys don't have great relationships with the coach. I mean, a lot of times you sign, and then a new coach comes in after you sign. You don't really have a relationship with that guy. Some of those guys transfer. The attrition rate was relatively high um, at a bunch of different places. And, I, you know, the, the early signing period is interesting – I think it, you know, for a lot of reasons. One, it happens during a uh, holiday week. The season's still happening, so people that aren't covering recruiting every single day in college football, you know, in February, everything could be, everything was recruiting. But in December, there's still a lot of other stuff going on. Recruiting kind of just another thing, and I feel like the 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 hoopla of signing day now, when it's buried in December, I'm not sure we're ever going to see you know, the Isaiah Crowell pulling, pulling out a puppy, these, like, legendary signing day moments. We just don't see as many of those anymore because people aren't watching. Yeah, it, it's not a day set off to itself anymore like it used no. to be. I mean, honestly, here in the state of Alabama, I know multiple people, uh, and you probably do too, were the, the passionate, diehard college football fans that would take the day off work for yep. that Wednesday in February. to ESPNU all day. <laughs> yeah, and you remember when Alabama had the fax cam girl, and it was just yeah. – they made a show of it, and it was some – anticipation well now i mean there's a preparing for a playoff yeah there's a lot of different reasons why you know it's sort of lost steam um players are are making videos now and releasing them and they're recruiting they're they're sort of committing earlier and earlier because of that early signing period a lot of the players not the top guys but a lot of players feel like if i don't commit now i mean i may not have a spot by the second signing period i mean alabama was i mean they signed two guys in the in the traditional national signing day um yeah and you talk about those transitional classes. I mean, it, it happens to the best. Nick Saban's first Alabama class was not very good um, in, in a lot of different reasons. You had relationships with assistant coaches that are no longer there or head coaches that are no longer there. So, um, And because of their sort of where we are, I mean, the, the fact that Auburn, as you mentioned, is ranked where it's ranked and Tennessee is ranked where it's ranked but had the benefit of locking up at the majority of its class. Remember when Tennessee – did you feel like that was coordinated – Remember that during the summer when they're just getting they, – they had a two- or three-week run where they were just loading up on recruits. It very felt – very much I felt tell like – I can tell you that it – I can tell you that it was coordinated. Yeah, and, and <laughs> at the, it, it, it feels weird to go back a year – or not even a year, but Tennessee wins its first two games. What, they'd won eight games in a row. They have one of the top recruiting classes in the country. It really felt like it, Tennessee yeah. had momentum, and then, man, it just rocked I didn't think they were going to, like, crash through the, you know – this year but it certainly felt like they're moving in the right direction but no i talked to some recruits um you know when they were having that run this summer when they got up to number two and it was very much a thing like they would say okay guys would make their decision weeks before and then they'd say okay you announce your commitment on monday i'm gonna do wednesday i'm gonna do thursday i'm gonna do friday and you keep that going rather than like six guys on one day not only does each day that kid sort of gets his shine but it, it helps the program because it's like, okay, another one. Oh, another one. Oh, another one. And then all of a sudden, you know, DJ Khaled is your recruiting coordinator. <laughs> and it's a great, um, you know, it's a great strategy. Uh, the problem is when your coach gets fired and a bunch of guys leave, it feels kind of hollow. But Tennessee had it going this summer. And, uh, you know, I always say college football is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport. And that has uh, never been more true uh, than right now. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I tell you, what has not done anything for me lately until this week, Aaron Suttles, that is EA Sports NCAA football franchise. It's in the game. Listen, listen. I think we know with, with name image likeness, it was really going to be complicated. It still is a little complicated to get all the ducks in a row. But when name image likeness now looks imminent, it, it was kind of a matter of time. Before that was happening, it was kind of like there was not a lot of hope for NCAA to come back. This week, we got the announcement. It's still going to be probably a couple of years, but it's back. NCAA football, I am. I have been over the moon all week just thinking about this. It takes me about, back to college, man. Yes. Take you back to college and those leagues you were in with your buddies. You know, I was sitting there. We were uh, we have a uh, a son. He's three month old. So we were we were riding to go get some some stuff that you need for a baby. And I was sitting in the back with him, and I got real quiet for about ten minutes. And my, my wife finally says, "What's going on with you? Why aren't you talking?" And I said, "You don't understand." <laughs> college football is coming back. She goes, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "I'm like, no, no, no. EA Sports college football is coming back." And then she's like, she just basically called me a nerd and kept driving, but. <laughs> I, I was surprised that it, like normally with stuff like this it leaks out, like the fact that they were the ones that that announced it, and then just how it took over your her, took over your timeline. And that's another thing I told my wife. I'm like, there are there are a few things, um, a great college football game or any sporting, event, a great live sporting event, or something that galvanizes a community within Twitter that makes Twitter really fun. And that was a <laughs> yeah. fun Twitter day. I mean, it was a lot, a lot of times Twitter's absolute garbage, and you have to deal with the worst. Most of, of the time, almost it. all the time. <laughs> but if you get a great live sporting event that everyone's watching, it's it, Twitter is an incredible experience. And if there's a great like news announcement, Twitter is an incredible viewing experience. And that's what Twitter was that day because you're just watching people and you're chiming in and you're joining in the conversation and you're like reflecting back to when you played the game. I'm I'm with you. I'm over the moon about it. I can't wait. My wife's even debating letting me get the new the next gen <laughs> gaming system for it. So I can't wait, man. I uh you know, our our staff was like I say fighting with quotation marks, fighting in Slack about who was gonna get to write what about <laughs> Instant Blay because it was like we could have written fifty pieces uh this week about Instant Blay. We ended up doing a round table that was probably too long. It could have gone for 20,000 words if we really wanted to. Um, and then uh, our, our boy Ari Wasserman wrote about what the recruiting should look like in the game. Uh, Nicole Auerbach, uh, always good 
uh, from a national perspective, wrote about kind of the the uh, the NIL um, uh, ramifications of this, what that's probably going to look like, kind of how we got to this point, and uh, it's it's been complicated because the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit, he was one hundred percent right, and the game died for reasons that were certainly moral. But I still miss the game. Players miss the game. Guys wanted to be in the game. Um, well, I've never understood but the legal why, risks were too great. And, and this is what, sort of what we're going to get late, maybe in the early incarnations of this game, but they could have still made the game. I mean, it was just random numbers and random rosters um, that you didn't purposely set out to make look, look like Mac Jones or Najee Harris. I mean, we they could have done that, but I understand why it went away. And you're, you're right. I mean, if those players are being taken advantage of in that way. Yeah. And so whatever form, if it's, you know, schools finally get on board with, with name, image, and likeness, and players are getting a cut of it at some point, or if it's totally random rosters, the problem is some some someone's going to make a roster that, that resembles college football at some point. Yeah. It's uh, – well, I think that's the idea is that, you know, I'd like to see players get a free game. I'd like to see players – uh, get a, a cut. I mean, it's not going to be a ton of money because there's so many players, but I'd like to see that. But I remember back in the day, you know, the, that's why when, when Ed O'Bannon, you know, sort of made the foundational argument for name, image, likeness in video games, I mean, he absolutely was 100% right. It was very clear who those guys were. And, and, and it would get pretty intense, too, because I remember back in the day, I'm going to date myself here, but what I used to do was so there were people on eBay that first of all, eBay instead of Amazon. Um, but there's people who would create the rosters. It would take them about two weeks to do it once the game came out. But you could mail them a memory card of yours. That's right. I remember that. And they that. would they would copy over the rosters and they would send it back to you, or you could buy a new memory card. And for years, I did that. Once the internet started happening, you know, you could just download the rosters um, on some of the later games once, like, the PS2 started becoming more connective and all that stuff. Uh, I guess that was 360. Um, that was the Xbox. Um, but those early years, it was about making the game what the game was supposed to be and having those names. And I never started my dynasties until I had the names. I was waiting and, and have those rosters. And they didn't have to change much. They just had to change the names. Like the the attributes were always pretty pretty about right. And uh, you know, guys would would want to play as themselves. And so here's hoping that we can go back to those days, not having to have bootleg memory cards and players getting a cut of it. But I am so excited. Which um, which program that you missed during that that span where there was no game? Do you do you think you missed playing with the most? Like like you like that you missed out playing with. Like was it Manzel? Was it Texas A&M having Johnny Manzel? And yeah, I think a, a really bad version of Johnny Manzel is on the very last game. I think. I think it was the year before. I forget. Maybe he was. Maybe there was a red good version of him. I forget exactly. I don't remember. He, he was. He was on the game, but he was never like right. He you wasn't know, all Johnny caps. Football. Johnny football. There was never that version of the guy on the game. So it's, so his relationship is a little complicated. That A and M team would have been pretty fun. Um, the one with you know him and Mike Evans and those teams that were like elite, elite. I saw that team um, up close. That was they were good. Yeah, I would. I'd have to say you know I said this week Lamar Jackson would have been maybe the most polarized. I mean he's already kind of polarizing in Madden as is, but on NCAA. I said he had, would have had the power to end decades-old friendships because of how good he would have been on that game. And Stop spreading the quarterback out every time. For real. Like, 
So, you know, because I've seen guys that they would move a receiver in at quarterback that had like 95 speed and they just run read option to death. And you and now that I've played the game a little more and, and you know, I would be able to stop that. But in 2005, 2006, we hadn't really seen that in college football a ton and it felt like cheating in the game until teams started doing it in real life. Um, you were sort of lost. And uh, those were interesting times. But, uh, yeah, some of those teams, you know, I, I don't know that there's one specific team because usually I tried to fit a team – every year that, that kind of fit what I wanted to do and the, the personnel that I liked and, and kind of what I wanted. Um, I usually try to be, I was pretty balanced, but I'm just excited because, you know, the NFL games and Madden and my, I like the NFL, but every offense is kind of the same. And the, the diversity of college football and scheme and approach and all of those things. And I'm very much looking forward to sideline turnover celebration as being a part of the game. The Oregon state chainsaw, the SMU <laughs> sideline bottle service. I'm very excited because those have to be in the game. Um, all of those things that make college football just completely insane. Uh, you know, as EA sports would say, if it's in the game, it's in the game. Yeah, and, so it hasn't been in the game in a while. <laughs> changes in college football in itself. You know, the, the, the RPOs, mm-hmm. they, they'll be reflected in the playbooks and, is the transfer portal? Um, is that is that a thing now in the game? There's, it's just I'm just excited that uh, maybe a new generation of uh, video game video gamers get to experience the game because it has a cult following. I mean, it, when I worked for a newspaper, uh, the Tuscaloosa News, it, that, there were there was a yearly story where I would have to go to GameStop uh, the the day that NCAA football was released. It was a, just a it was sort of like another. Mark on the calendar that let you know college football was getting closer. You know, the, the preseason magazines drop and EA Sports video game came out. It was like every year that was, I mean, there was such a cult following of that game because people love college football. And and then it just went away and then sort of the mythology of that game just got more popular and more popular. And then this week gave it to pop it popped when, when they tweeted that they're coming back. <laughs> yeah, my birthday is July 11th and that game always used to come out right in that week. And, you know, it, it would always get me through until preseason camp started and things got a little more real. Um, but I think one thing that uh, that also about the game that I hadn't really thought about that really I think is a very – is a thing is it helped a lot of people, like, learn about different players and different teams. Like some of the – you know, if there's a stud running back on New Mexico, you might not know about him in real life, but on the game, you're like, oh, I remember that guy in that game – you know, this gets sort of into the name, image, and likeness issues again. But, like, you'd see this guy, and maybe you play him in non-conference or something, and, you know, he runs up 175 yards for you, and then you see him in real life. I think a lot of people learned about teams and players through the game. Um, you see that in, in FIFA and Madden and, and younger fans, kids that, like, develop their favorite players based on the video game. And I think you're going to see that in NCAA, I think it's going to help the popularity of the sport. Um, you know, for all the the nerds like us, I very much plan on getting that the first day. I said they should have taken pre-orders this week because even though the game is a bajillion years out, I would have put down 50 bucks. Absolutely. No question. Um, so I'm just very excited. It's been a good week for college. Think about uh, how many how many college relationships are going to be ruined because of this <laughs> like like girlfriends breaking up with their boyfriends because they won't stop. I mean, it was already bad enough with Fortnite <laughs> and Call of Duty, but uh, it's going to ruin a lot of relationships. As signing day has died, EA Sports <laughs> NCAA football will live. It's the circle of life. 
<laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to a special crossover off-season episode of Football and Grits. I am your host, David Ubbin, joined for the first time, hopefully not the last time, by Aaron Suttles. Uh, if you guys are not subscribed to the show, you can get this episode delivered directly to your device if you do that. Uh, whatever podcast purveyor you choose, get that uh, immediately as soon as it's posted, and you don't have to come search us out comes right to you if you're not a subscriber to the athletic we can read uh, aaron's work on alabama myself on tennessee our great staff um Stu mandel aaron's uh andy staples bruce feldman nicole auerbach uh chris vanini max olson all our folks that uh cover you from a national perspective you can do that theathletic.com slash grits we've always got great deals going on thank you guys for tuning in leave us a review a rating and subscribe to the show and the athletic again for Aaron Suttles, I'm David Ubbin. We'll see you again very, very soon.